You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Na, 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 na. Hi, y'all. It's Amir Yasai with The Take On for the Broadway Podcast Network. I'm so excited to have my good friend, David Lopez. Oh, such a queen. Love her. <laughs> Literally giving me life on TikTok and Instagram. If you don't know David, you're living under a rock. Uh, David Lopez does hair from Chrissy Teigen to one of my favorites, Ashley Graham. And so, so much talent in makeup and the way that you lean into who you are. I'm such a big fan. How are you? <laughs> Thank you. What a what a lovely intro. What a uplifting <laughs> intro. I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. You know what? We're living in a world where cisgendered white men are constantly gaslighting. You know, I'm Persian. They're gaslighting us. We have to build each other up. We got to hold each other's hands. <laughs> like I said earlier, what a time to be alive. Yes, it is. I'm telling you, I. It, it's like, it's weird because there's so much love that's packed into all of these hateful moments. So I'm trying to kind of lap those up and I'm trying to take those in. And, you know, you posted something on your TikTok where it was like the rainbow eyeshadow. And I I was just like, you know what, like among all of this, like, you know, negative news and, and so much, you know, sludge on Twitter and people, you know, white men saying that they're being discriminated against. It's so nice to just like see your profile, see the uplifting um, moment that you're creating. But I know that it wasn't easy to get there. And we've had these conversations many times, but I never get sick of talking about it. I want to know a little bit about your journal when you were a kid and your journey to get to the David that we see, because it's a really beautiful story. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I was born in Brooklyn, New York, and uh, my, my family's from Puerto Rico. My mom was very, very young when she had me and you know, my parents weren't even married at the time. And just with some, you know, love drama, romance drama, uh, we ended up back in Puerto Rico by the time I was like six months old. And this is very topical, but my grandfather didn't approve of my dad because of his socioeconomic background and he was half black. So there was that, you know, situation there. And we were in Puerto Rico till I was about five and my dad, uh, my mom got back together and had my sister and we moved to Texas when my dad joined the military. And then from there, we moved overseas and we were overseas pretty much my entire life in Italy and Germany. And it's kind of, in my mind's eye, the most home place that I feel. Um, and then, you know, I finished high school in Kentucky where I was doing repertory theater. I got into drama. Um, I got into student council. I really 
came out of my shell. And it's, it's so interesting because we're talking about quarantine. People have kept asking, how are you? How are you? I'm like, this is, I, I've been prepared for this my whole life. I spent <laughs> so many days and nights by myself in my room, perfectly entertained. Mm-hmm. My dad tells people, he's like, I couldn't even ground him because he was so happy to be in his room by himself <laughs> for days on end. Like I, I couldn't even, I would take away his toys. He didn't care. I would take away his yeah. video games. Didn't care. He would read, take away book. And my dad was like, I can't take away books. Like that's the last thing you take away from a child is their books. But, uh, <laughs> that's amazing. I relate to that too. I think a lot of queer people listening would relate to like, I remember my dad once gave me $10 to go talk to a group of boys at a barbecue. And I was like, I don't want your money. I want to just be left alone. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been like, I will do anything else for $10, but not that I will not. not that. No, no, no. <clears throat> but yeah, so I moved to New York when I was 18. That was in 2003. And mm-hmm. I came to New York to be an actor. I'd always been obsessed with hair. Um, I was still closeted at this, at this point, but I came to New York and, you know, I, I did a whole thing of, you know, bartending. I, I had been on medication for uh, panic disorder and anxiety since I was uh, like 12. And when my parents uh, insurance ran out, cause my dad at the time was in Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, I just stopped taking my medication. Like I didn't even know I wasn't under the supervision of a doctor anymore. Um, I was, I just was a little crazy boy in New York city, just let loose. And that kind of set me in a little downward spiral. And honestly, it kind of kicked off the beginning of really getting to know myself and dismantling the many years of damage that I had done, not to my, not just by others, but also to myself because of the environment that I grew up in and the kind of unique personality that I had and how bullied I was. And, and that was 17 years ago. And it's been a long 17 years. And you, like you said, I have a journal. I've, I've journaled since I was like ooh, 10 or nine and I have, I've journaled the entire thing and yeah, here we are now. I'm 35 in New York City. I'm thriving. I went from being homeless and sleeping on couches to, you know, doing what I do now. So it's it's been wow. a really fun ride. I love that. And I love the way that, you know, for a lot of people listening, I know there's a lot of people see like people on social media and influencers and content creators and they're like, that looks so easy and their life looks so easy. And I know that anything that's done with amount of grace that you do it, it's not easy. Like I think it's creating this world for yourself and creating this niche for yourself is not easy. And I know like in that journal, you said like, I don't know if like I'll ever have that. And like, what does it feel to like have those moments and have those pinch me moments where you're like, I'm doing like celebrities hair. I'm friends with people. Like I'm creating space, you know, brands are reaching out to me. Are you having any imposter syndrome or have you been able to kind of work through it? Like, how is that going? I mean, the first time I ever heard the term imposter syndrome, it like perfectly explained so many experiences and how they colored the experiences in my life from the time I was in middle school, high school and going into college and even at jobs, you know, imposter syndrome is a very real thing. But at the same time, you know, because I journaled and because I was always kind of surrounded by people who kind of made me look into a mirror, um, I had a, a grounding in that I had two choices. Either I was going to, for all intents and purposes, commit suicide and just let myself completely disappear. Or I was going to prove not just everyone wrong, but myself wrong. It was like, it's always been this weird something in my heart and in my body and in my soul that was like, you are, no, you're not going to give up. Even when I felt like an imposter, even though I was faking it and I faked it many times, um, each time that I would fake it and make it, I was like, oh, wait, no, you do know what you're doing. 
oh wait, no. So those started building up my confidence levels and they started really leading me to a place that I felt like I was capable and that I wasn't an imposter. And I still have those feelings now. And a lot of those imposter syndromes now are more like about more socio social things than anything else. But, um, yeah, that's, that's been its own journey in its own. Right. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, even a brown man talking about mental health and even like being Persian, there's so much silencing. Like I also struggled with suicidal thoughts and I was in therapy. And for me, it was always like that. I was like, I'm never going to survive if I don't just like, but there was always that hope. So I want to talk about that, like mental health struggle, like with parents who are, you know, immigrants and brown, they're like, there's a lot of silencing. Like, how did you navigate that? I know you have a really special relationship with your mom, but like, what was it like navigating all of that? I don't know what would have happened to me if I didn't have the mother that I did because my mom, um, was diagnosed with bipolar disorder very young. And we always talked about mental health. I mean, we always talked about sadness and depression. I was surrounded by it. I saw it. I witnessed it. I saw what it does to a person. And I also saw the things that kind of kept someone afloat in times when they were in the most despair. I always saw from an outsider's perspective that even at their lowest and recognizing that that person that you love so deeply is at their lowest, I would see that they eventually did come out of it. Um, so when I started having my own issues with, um, panic and anxiety, it was met with understanding. It was met with, we can fix this. It was met with, let's go to a doctor. Let's find a psychologist, let's find a psychiatrist. There was never any shaming whatsoever. I think there were moments of my family being like, all right, you're being a a little bit dramatic (laughs) because I was, (laughs) but at the same time, understanding, you know, there was a fine line between being a dramatic child, but also this, my child has something going on that we need to bring him to a doctor. And so I never felt stigmatized by milk. I, I, in a weird way, I thought it was always very normal. Like I would talk to people in school and then I would see their reactions like in middle school or high school. And then I would see them kind of, kind of bristle about it. I'm like, Oh, I don't, I don't understand that feeling. I, I, I like talking about feelings and, and kind of digging into that deep part. So yeah, my mom is, has been such a huge support and and a good role model for me in terms of how to manage, um, that. I love that. I mean, I think that, it's hard enough to have, you know, mental health struggles, which I have had, but then you add the queer part. And like you said, being in a closet, walk me through a little bit that journey of like coming out and like being in New York and kind of not taking those medications and also exploring your sexuality. Were your, what were your parents' reactions to your coming out? I think that... Um this answer is twofold. My mom at the time when I was coming out was going through a divorce and with someone who was extremely unfaithful, really hurt her very deeply. And he was also fighting a war and her son was in college and her daughter was in high school still. And my mom at the time, think, remember I'm, I'm 19, 18. My mom was 37 which is two years older than I am now. Like it's not any, you know, you're, you're not fully in my mind's eye, like fully grown in a way. Um, And when I started kind of exploring it in a more realistic way coming out, it was so much of a, again, the dismantling of what it means to be gay and, there were so many layers. Listen, my, my mind is incredibly powerful. I'm very imaginative and that worked well for me, but it also worked like hell for me because I had completely convinced myself 
that being gay was a choice. You could, I could get rid of the thoughts and that I had gotten rid of it and that I could just live a normal life, quote unquote, what a normal life was. Even when I started experimenting in terms of like, uh, just opening my eyes and living in New York City. Remember, I lived on military bases in Europe and in Kentucky my whole life. I first first time I ever seen men holding hands. And New York City used to have these magazines on the street that were for free that were called HX Magazine. It was like pictures of nightlife and bars and, you know, rent boy ads. And, and I, my <laughs> mind was low. And I was like, oh my God, there's people out there that like are just doing, like living their life free of shame. And the shame thing was a really big part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so coming out was interesting because I never felt compelled to, I don't know, out of either rebellion or just because of my own thing, but I never felt compelled to be like, I'm gay to literally. And to this day, I never came out, quote unquote. I just mm-hmm. was gay. Like I just went from mm-hmm. being like closeted and straight and sleeping with women to then I'm bisexual to then I don't want to be defined to then, you know, I was like, I'm gay. And it wasn't until I was probably 25 that I felt even comfortable saying I'm a gay man. Absolutely. Um, dad, it's not but, an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to no, do. No, it's not. I mean, to say those words. But my dad was fine. My dad, again, he the war changed him completely. He was like, as long as you're happy, I don't care. My mom at the time, again, like I said, the, I contextualized the experience because she was going through what she was going through. She didn't take it very well um, in the beginning. And, um, you know, they they taught me well. When they didn't, when they didn't want to see what they were seeing, I just uh, blocked them from my life. <laughs> Absolutely, I get that. I get that. <laughs> like, I, you know, I might be with like in a good place with my parents, but I also struggle with that. And I think a lot of people that are children of immigrants and children of people that are dealing with their own mental health, and I think that I realize in therapy that parents are also damaged people, and they're, you right. know, they give up stuff for us, and they give up their dreams, and you know, my mom wanted to be a doctor and she didn't because she had me and it's like my mom's also very young as well like your mom and it's like it it it's hard because you know I think about it I'm like when she was my age I just turned 34 she had a 14 year old like that's crazy mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so I I just like it's it's hard to sometimes relate but I what really stands out for me is like that experience of being a gay man there's such a pressure to put labels on people especially now with pride being so commercialized and you know the even the blm movement is now like a lot of people are saying i hope it's not a fad because a lot of things get hashtagged and kind of co-opted and i know you being kind of like an influencer in that world how did you fight against that and i know that like a lot of brands have been knocking at your door and you're being a lot more intentional talk to me a little bit about that journey Well, I've always been aware of the racism systemic and otherwise in the influencer community and in the beauty space. I blatantly aware, like I've always kind of advocated for it in my own private way, but I think there's a very special, not special, there's a very unique experience of being a Latinx or Afro-Caribbean person because you're able to benefit from privilege because you're not black, but then you're also facing oppression because you're not white. So you live this experience of just constantly not wanting to rock the boat because it's almost like you don't want to remind white people that you're not white. So even though there were moments where probably <laughs> up, you know, you're like, oh, I'm kind of forbid. Like, oh. God <laughs> yeah, forbid exactly. the white people are uncomfortable for one minute. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly that. So what this, the BLM movement did for me was just 
get, I don't care about your discomfort. And it was one day, I remember I was telling my husband, I was like, I have lived an entire life. I didn't even realize this. I lived an entire life making white people comfortable with my brownness. I have like, you know, spoken as wide as possible. I dress as wide as possible. I have gone into rooms and I, you know, stand a certain way. I talk a certain way as white as possible to assimilate so that I, other people are comfortable with who I look, what I look like and who I am, which is I was like, oh, F this. I'm not doing this anymore. That is not going to happen. So, you know, now working with brands, I, I'm kind of, I, I don't want to say I'm tough on them. I'm just, I hold them accountable. Right. And But I also understand that there are baby steps. And I also understand having sometimes been the only brown influencer in a room. I'm not even black, but the only brown one that, all right, well, I'm, at least there's one. And what can I do to make sure that next time there's two or three or four or five, you know? Absolutely. I think a lot of people think sometimes they have to like have led a rally and they have to have like made massive change. But sometimes being intentional in one moment and doing something like like that, let's hope that we can open the door for one more person is a huge step in the right direction. I know that like you, I would also do that growing up in Orange County. I always tried to talk so eloquent and be so smart and be in the spelling bee and and all of that. But people would still say things like, oh, you don't have an accent. Why would I have an accent? I was born in the U.S. So there's always those things where you'll be pulled down a peg. And I wanted to like, just for like a bit of lightness, I know you mentioned being in theater and that kind of world um, in high school, like obviously this being, you know, part of the Broadway podcast network. There is a lot of microaggressions in Broadway that are now coming up. Like there's a lot of like black and brown people in Broadway can only do basically Hamilton or Aida. So like, there's a lot of like limited choices. What was it like being in theater for you? Like, did it open up something inside of you? Oh my God. It was so freeing. It, I mean, I'm a Leo rising, so it fits perfectly. Um, but it was just, I felt for someone who was so socially awkward and shy and fearful I felt so brave on stage. I felt fearless. I felt seen. I felt important. I felt special on stage. Um, you know, doing repertoire theater and doing community theater, I started getting to musicals. And I'll never forget those experiences. They they started to mold me into the person that I am today. Theater, I think for me, is wasn't only just an escape, because I think sometimes people describe it as an escape. For me, it was a realization of what I was already experiencing in my imagination. And it was a safe space to experience my imagination. Theater wasn't an escape. It was just a safe space to experience what was already going on in my mind. It was a way to express it and let it out in a, in a way that people could see. And it was in the most kind of like, nerve touching way you're going directly to the thing that you fear the most being open and vulnerable and exposing that imagination to strangers i i love theater and it but like you said before like i kind of quickly realized i mean okay well i can never be roger i can never be mark i can never i'm in cabaret like where is there a puerto rican fitting in cabaret i played vittorio vidal in sweet charity and i'm not you know i barely look italian so you know i all these all these moments that i got into theater and then i go to theater school i go to acting school and the parts they're giving me they're 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 telling me you know well, you're never going to be cast in in movies like uh, A Few Good Men with the way you look and act. And I'm like, well, what am I supposed to be? And 
I mean, thank God we have the kids that we have to do with it today that are able oh. to have these experiences and entertainment and by being themselves. But God, you know, uh, 15, we didn't have that. Ago. We didn't have that. No, that was didn't. not a reality. I remember no. a casting director once told me, which is why I also, I moved to LA to be an actor. He said, you're never going to be anything more than the gay best friend caricature. So you should just accept it and you'll make a great career off of that. Yeah. Right. It's, and and you know what? Like, if I want to be a caricature, I would like to be a caricature on my own terms on my Instagram or TikTok. I don't want to do it on Netflix. I just don't think it's right. And I think there was so much with Will and Grace and other shows that caricatured queer people. And I thought, oh, well, that's the only way to be is to be a heightened version of yourself. And I think it a lot of queer people struggle with that. And, you know, like shows like Queer Eye, like everyone's being authentic and kind of being themselves, but not doing it for show or to be a caricature. So I, I kind of, there is a new generation that's building, which I think is amazing. And I want to talk a little bit about, because people might see your life, right? You're friends with celebrities and you're living this life and you're gorgeous. So if anyone doesn't, hasn't been to David's page, he's stunning. So like, if people see all that, they're like, perfect life perfection. But I want to talk a little bit about a moment where you really wanted something like being part of Queer Eye and it didn't work out. Like walk me through that those emotions and feelings. I think it's really important that people like us, yes, we're blessed, but we should also talk about moments where things didn't work out the way we thought. Yeah. I mean, once the acting kind of career that I had envisioned for myself, theater or otherwise kind of got derailed by personal circumstances and I went to beauty school, I started doing hair and then I got pushed back into in front of being in front of the camera. I'm doing a lot of, I was doing HSN and I was doing, um, uh, videos for brands when YouTube was first coming up and brands were starting to make video content. And I was loving it. And I was cast on a show that never came to fruition that was created by the one of the creators of Queer Eye. And I'll never forget, I was 25 years old and we went into his office. We all had individual meetings with him. And he had like the books of Queer Eye and he had, um, I don't know, he had like the the, the posters and, and we're talking and he's like, you know, you could, you could do this. Like you could really, you know, do this. I, I, I feel like this, you're, you're made for this. And I was like, yeah, I agree. I, I think I'm made for it too. And, he, and you know, he, then he gave me some advice and he's like, um, these, he, these are the things I think you should work on in the next couple of years. And I think you could really, you know, go somewhere. And so I did, I, I did all the things that he, um, that he suggested. And, you know, I, I, by grace of God or the universe, I ended up being trained by publicists and public speaking, how to speak on good morning America, how to speak on the today show, how to behave on camera. I ended up on QVC six years on QVC teaches you how to be uh, really good on live television. Um, and, you know, think on your feet. Um, and that became a whole skill set that I had. I mean, you could throw a camera on me and I can just without even a prompter, I, I can just give a spiel, you know, just give me three talking points. Those were skills that I developed because I, I was passionate about it, obviously doing hair at the same time. And then my mind's eye was always to be, I want to be on television. And at first it was a vanity thing. And then I was like really thinking, I'm like, no, it's not that. It's I, I want to reach as many people as possible without, it's like the world's biggest stage. You know what I mean? Like I was so addicted to the theater. I was so addicted to the stage. And I was like, television is the world's biggest stage. I still get the same thrill that I still get to be in front of so many people and reach so many people. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's such a platform, you know, and it's such a, it, it's like you're reaching people that you never knew. And then like, you know, when you are on TV, you get those messages from people from high school and you're like, oh my God, like I'm reaching people that I never even thought would watch this. Yeah. That's right. impactful. 
it, it's incredibly impactful. And, and I wanted, I knew that I wanted to live my life. I know that I want to live my life in a big way. So that was one of the ways, but, um, you know, there was an opportunity that came up and the creator of, of queer, I personally reached out to me and they asked me to, um, audition for the, re-envisioning of Queer Eye and anyone that was in my life at the time. I, would, I mean, I was under very strict NDAs, so I couldn't tell anyone, but anyone that was very close <laughs> to me knew how like, I was beyond thrilled and I was just gagged, gooped and all the things that drag queens say. Um, <laughs> and went through very rigorous um, auditions and lots of callbacks and finally, very stressful two months and lots of screen testing, individual and groups here in New York. And then they picked 20 of us to go to L.A. And we get holed up in this hotel in Glendale, California. And <laughs> <laughs> the that first sounds kind night, of fun. <laughs> it was, I mean, it, it was my personal nightmare, to be completely honest with you, because I didn't know anyone. But oh. I, I'm different now. But like I... It, the way that my I processed it then and the way I would process it now, it just, for me, personally signifies how much I've grown. But it was my personal nightmare because I was like, oh, I'm around 20 other people that want this as bad as I do and only five of us are going to get it. Uh, the first well, night, and also you know, gay men, like 20 gay men yeah. is very different than just 20 people. It's like, it, and everyone's competing. It's a lot of dynamics. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. A lot of dynamics. And we all had, we were all given a color assignment and we had to wear that color. And that mm-hmm. color indicated what role you would play on the show. And some of the people there had two or three colors. They were up for multiple things on the show, which I found very interesting. I was always only up for grooming, but there were a couple people that were up for multiple things. Wow, um, this is like Hunger Games. Like you have all the different colors. It, it's oh like- my God, you said it perfectly. <laughs> you literally, it was like, we. I'm still in touch with all of them. Like we talk about it and we were like, that was the most insane four days of our lives. It felt like, <laughs> it just felt like a mood. It really felt like the Hunger Games. It really was. It was, wow. it was absolute insanity. That's insane. All I imagine is all the different colors and it's like Red Rover, Red Rover and whoever wins gets like a box of poppers. Like, I don't know what's going on. I just, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> I love it. It was kind of like that actually. That's um, but it was, it, it was, it was a crazy four days and mm-hmm. what, the craziest part was is that like at the end of each day, they would, producers would call us individually even though we were all together and they would call and say so sorry we don't need you tomorrow and each day it got less and less <gasps> and less and less and so the last day um everyone got called and there was now there was 11 of us mm-hmm. and i was the 11th and um i know everyone had gotten called except for me and i was like freaking out and the producers called me and they were, David called me actually. And mm. they were like, um, you know, we just feel like I, we watch you when you're with the boys, but we're not getting that when you're in front of the camera. Mm. And I had never thought of that before. I, I had developed a very sanitized version of myself. Let's put it that way. A very David, I called him David Lopez hair. So I think David, <laughs> well, also being on QVC, you know, like that you right. have to be a bit like a bit more sterile for a larger audience. That makes sense. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, I went into the last day and there were two, there was like an AB testing group and there was the group that you see now, uh, except for, um, 
one person Mm -hmm. that was switched out last minute. And then there was a B group and that B group was by themselves the whole time. And then the, what I was called the A group, which is the cast, you know, now minus one person, um, I was being switched out me and Jonathan and Mm -hmm. it was soul destroying (laughs) <laughs> the only yeah. I can think of Jonathan is so Jonathan and I'm so not and think of everyone else on the cast if they're all we're all a little more subdued and to be sitting alone in a ballroom in a hotel in Glendale, California where the next door they're filming their fake episodes and everyone is dying laughing for three hours and I'm by myself without my phone <gasps> by the way I was oh. like, this is not happening. I felt it leave my body. I was like, it's not happening for me. It's not happening. Oh it? my God. And you're literally sitting way. there like yeah. while they're filming their teaser. Oh my God. Yeah. So then, you know, wow. they took a break and then they were like, we're going to switch you out after this break. And I remember the sun was setting and Jonathan and I went to Coffee Bean and mm-hmm. he was like, girl, I don't know. Like, I, I just, I, I really thought this was like for you. And I was like, I don't, I, I honestly, Jonathan, I don't think it's for me. I think it's, I think it's, I don't know if it's going to work for me. He's like, I know, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm not saying he was being shady. I'm not saying he was in retrospect, mm-hmm. but he was a little bit like, well, I mean, you look the part, blah, blah, blah. But like, I guess I'm just like a funny, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it is what it is. Um, mm-hmm. I did go in, I, I, I did a fake episode and mm-hmm. yeah. And then they came in, it was like 11 PM at this point. I was exhausted. I just wanted to go home. And it didn't happen. And I, it took me like a year to get, to get over it it was like worse than a breakup it was so well, bad it is a breakup like it yeah. is like it's a professional breakup and you got emotionally invested and I, I i i'm always so interested with when it comes to these um moments of rejection that we look back on it's like what how did you i always like i'm so in awe of our sheer strength of picking ourselves up in those moments like how did you pick yourself up from that? Like through everything you've been through and like get yourself on a plane back to New York. Like, I want to know that. Cause I think a lot of people would love to hear that. Like, how do you, David Lopez hair, like you said, like that brand, that's something, but then there's David Lopez, like that inner child. How did you pick him up and carry him out of that hotel in Glendale? Like, that's crazy. The ego is a funny thing. And, you know, I had, I had prepared for that depth my whole life i had been that low before in other ways i recognized it so it wasn't foreign to me it wasn't like it was my first shot at something and i i mean and i was like so devastated i didn't reckon i recognized the feelings of despair so my my kind of like alter internal soul took over and was like all right let yourself be sad and i was i was extremely sad um, but then I was like, okay, what do I do then? Like it, it forced me to recognize and, and try to understand what am I doing? Like I had worked my whole career for that moment and I didn't get it. So what am I doing now? I had, I had, I had become the architect of this dream and the plans fell through. So what do I do now? And then I realized, you know what? I am in a business of making people feel good. I understand very deeply and innately, and I very much recognize how much your self-care routine and hair and makeup and beauty and moisturizers and the whole industry gives people confidence. And I understood that when you give someone that confidence, you can somehow sometimes bring that confidence into a deeper level. And when you have that confidence, you're better able to communicate your thoughts, your ideas, and your feelings 
you think about a, a give someone a blowout. I mean, it's the power of beauty is so strong. It's why, it's why I was so passionate about Queer Eye because I know the power of a, of a makeover. So I was Absolutely. like, what do I do? So I started a blog. I started a blog and I started creating content and I just dove head in. I was like, if I'm not going to get it, I'm going to make it myself kind of thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love that. Um, and obviously I'm, I'm lucky I had distractions. I, I have an amazing career outside of that. I was working with Ashley Graham and Chrissy Teigen, Haley Bieber. Like you said, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. traveling all over the world. So I had really good distractions, really good distractions, really good things to kind of offset the loss in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a lot of soul searching and trying to figure out what was the next step for me. And, you know, it was a little bit of blind leading the blind for a minute, but I think I got there. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You did. You absolutely did. And I think I, I wanted to ask you because um, I have a similar story where I didn't get real world and I really wanted it. And it was hard because when I didn't get it, it was like I had this like I was so happy for the people who got the show. And I was but I was so devastated that I didn't. And I was like jealous a little bit. And I had so many emotions that I had to process through because like from not getting it for the show to be on Netflix, that's a little bit of a distance. So I know that you said you had the distractions, but what were some of the complicated feelings you were having? Because I know your friends with the people that are on the show obviously you're happy for them but it's like was there a moment where where you were like okay well this isn't right for me because it opened the door for something else or mm-hmm. um yes and no i mean in a big way i'm like for many of the cast i was like fantastic and great um it made me realize and understand the, how the entertainment industry will not always kind of cast probably people who are best suited for something they're casting for different reasons. And I, obviously I should have known that I've been in the industry for a long time. Um, and it forced me to understand myself, how I'm perceived, uh, 100%. Um, it forced me to let go and shed completely shed that David Lopez hair persona. I was like, I, would have never posted a wig, a photo of myself in a wig or makeup or any sort of gender bending situations on social media. Never in a million years. I would have never done that. And I started doing it. Uh, it was, it was, they were, they were complicated feelings. I, I was happy for them. I still haven't watched that. I still haven't watched an episode. <laughs> I don't blame you. Listen, I never watched the real world. I never did. I never watched I still, it. I still, I still don't watch it. You know, my husband trains Anthony, so it's you know close to home, mm-hmm. and you know we're all very. You know, a lot of us still talk, and that we're at the casting, and right. It's interesting because you know, 
queer eye has such a longevity and it's a part of it's a part of, of a legacy in a way uh, of pop culture. So you're almost forced to look at a mirror of something that what would, how would you have handled those situations? How would you have looked in that group photo? How would you have dressed for that event? How would you <laughs> those things? And it's like, and I'm like, all right, you know, quiet yourself. But um, yeah, it's 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 a lot of emotions for sure. Absolutely, and that makes a lot of sense. I mean, for people that have never been there, like it, it it's hard because it's a lot of complicated feelings. And you know, the entertainment industry is already very small, let alone the queer group. So everyone knows each other's successes and each other's weaknesses and losses. So it can it, it's great. And you're listen, you're handling it with grace and even when I met you at an event I was doing, you, you popped out of the car, the taxi and said, you know, I don't feel super comfortable with the wig and and this outfit, but you rocked it. And I think it's being honest with those feelings and being intentional. Like when people I've get interviewed a lot and people are like, you're so confident. I'm like, it's fake. Like it's something that I create because Amir, the real Amir wants to read animal file books from a binder that I have since I was nine years old. And I don't want to talk to a single human being. That's really me. Like, I would rather go on a reserve with a bunch of elephants and giraffes and never speak to another human being because animals, for me, have given me un- unconditional love and nobody in my life has ever been able to give me true unconditional love. Like, So I think there's, it's funny, like people don't realize that your social media persona is a persona. So I want to talk a little bit about, you know, the characters that you create, like, um, you know, on your TikTok and your Instagram. It's like, they're, they're like, they seem like they're maybe possibly inspired by people, but there's like certain, w- when you wear the wigs and the makeup, you're inhabiting certain personas. Like, are those intentional? Or it just kind of happens that the, the process gets you there. They're just, they're me. Like they are fully <laughs> living in me. Like it's not even, you know, it's so interesting because they've always existed. I mean, it's the, the man and 35 year old man you see in a wig that's, you know, doing TikToks is the same nine year old boy that was screaming Celine Dion songs at the top of his lung crying because he was acting out the song on his hands and knees saying, you know, every lyric to, uh, every Celine Dion song. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, it's still me. And in a way, and it just goes back to what theater was for me. This is a smaller scale theater. It's just a safe place for me to unleash and let out to play my inner child and my inner workings and the pe- the things that live inside me that I always were, was ashamed of. And now they're safe spaces. And there, and again, you're still poking that nerve, you're pinching that nerve. And it's like, I'm putting out there the things that fear me the most. And I'm letting people just rip it apart. If they want to, there's that video of me putting on makeup. It's like thousands of comments of people just ripping me apart about putting on eyeshadow, but like, I love it in a weird way. It's like, <laughs> yes. Oh yes. Like I'm like, come I'm not me. scared anymore. Yeah. Cause I'm like, it doesn't affect me. What an amazing feeling to have someone tell you that you're not worthy and have it not affect you because you have done so much self work that you know, you're worthy and you know, you're special and you know what you're doing is great. It's, it's a great feeling. I mean, not to say, and listen, I have my days, I have human. my days, but you know, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a good feeling. Yeah, you're obviously we're human. But even before I got on this um, recording with you, um, someone on TikTok was like, literally sent me a message and put up like a comment. It was like, TikTok, how do I block this content? And it was funny because it made me laugh. I was like, 
wow, this person is so bad at what they're doing. Like, just block me. Like, you don't need to let me know. But I was like, listen, girl, I'm busy. I'm talking to David Lopez on my own podcast. What are you doing today? So, you know, like that's, but we, it, it's a process to get here, right? It's a process to show up. And, and again, I have days where I get messages and I cry. Like someone a couple weeks ago said, I was so disgusting and had hairy shoulders and it made me cry. I was an emotional that day. You know, and, and, and it's like, because people don't know when they say those things online, there's trauma, right? There's things that yeah. we've been through. And I, I definitely celebrate what you're doing. And I'm so here for it. Um, if you will humor me, let's play a fun game before I let you go. Um, okay, so I'm going to ask like some questions, but fun questions about your clients. So if you were going to do like a trivia night with one of your clients, who would you pick? Ashley. Okay. Yeah, I could tell you. So smart. Um, (laughs) So smart. So pretty. (laughs) Phone a friend. I love it. Um, That's cute. I love that. Um, What about um, if you? I asked this question from everyone. I probably already asked you this a hundred times. It's my favorite question. Uh, Deserted island. um, Who would you take? Who would get you off that island? Who would take? Who would I take there? Yes. Oh my god. Who would I take to a deserted island? Oh God, that's a tough one. That's a tough what are the con- what's the context? Like, is the world ending? Well, the world. <laughs> I love it. No one's ever asked for context. I love it. <laughs> I love you. Um, Am I allowed to leave one day, or is this just like forever the rest of my life deserted island? You are such a Leo rising. Oh my God. Okay. Yes. Um. Yes. You can. You're gonna stay for about a week. You and you'll eventually get off. Like you will get off the island. <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> I would hope so um, I oh god this is going to sound really bad but um, no. it, it's not to avoid the answer I, I would want to be by myself I love that no one's ever said that and it's always the answer I'm looking for because that's exactly what I would do I'd be like I wanted to hang out with some hermit crabs all day and then come back when I need to yeah that's great I love yeah, that that sounds perfect. like heaven for, for me to me right now. <laughs> that's not perfect for myself for five days oh my god oh it's amazing that sounds like heaven um my parents the other day were like you're always in your room like I hope you're not lonely and I'm like girl I have so much to do in here <laughs> I have so much to do. What's loneliness? I love when people are like, are you feeling lonely? I'm like, I might be alone, honey, but I ain't lonely. I'm good. I'd be good. I'm too busy. I'm like, now what should I do? Let's go to Pinterest. Like, I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm like spiraling on Wikipedia, reading all about like conspiracy theories. I'm reading yes. all about like interior design. I just rented an art studio. So I'm like trying to like think how I want to decorate it. Like I'm, I'm fully, I'm fully there. I'm, I keep myself very busy. I love that. I love that. And, and it's, I think for people like us, I'm a Gemini. I think it's Leo rising. I have a lot going on. So I I think that when it comes to this kind of stuff, if I keep my brain occupied, it's better for the world. So I'm so here for it. Um, David, I wanted to ask you, this is like a question that I get a lot on my Instagram. It's people reaching out from all over the world being like, how do you be yourself, right? A lot. We talk a lot about being your most authentic self, lean into who you are, like a lot of like stuff that sounds really good. Um, but how do you put that into practice? And if you could give advice to someone who's feeling stuck or, or maybe like us was so deep in a closet, I had to go through like 40 doors. I was like, am I out yet? <laughs> um, so what, what is some advice there? Um, I have, I, I, I keep, I've been doing a lot of work on ego and self ego and how much that plays a part in how you perceive and how you perceive others. Um, 
I think that's a, it sounds really simplistic, but it's such a good place to start because I, I really do believe like when you dig into your ego, how you react to things, the filters that have happened, that the experiences you've had in your life that now filter how you perceive the world, you have to start breaking those down because that's how you start really truly being yourself. It's not like wear an outlandish outfit and be vocal and go to protest marches and paint your nails pink and get an ironic earring and call yourself queer. That's not being yourself. Being yourself is really digging deep into how trauma has affected you, um, how your experience of, as a marginalized person or not marginalized person has, has colored your experience in the world, how you move through certain spaces and recognizing how you interact with the world, how much of it is your ego talking and coloring the, the experiences, how much of it is actually just based in reality and truth and having those really tough conversations with yourself. For me, that really unlocks the door to truly being free in yourself. Absolutely. Um, That's a great answer. And it makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of people do like kind of struggle with that queer identity, right? Like one of my ex um, boyfriends would be like, I don't like show tunes. I don't really, I'm not really into RuPaul's Drag Race. And I remember I was so aghast and he was like, I don't have to be how you think a gay man is. Like I am who I am. And I I remember being like, wow, that's like really impactful because a lot of us feel the need to like certain things because we're gay, but you don't have to, like, if you're not drawn to it, you're not drawn to it. And I think that's very powerful. What you said about, you know, the, the, the the nail polish and the earrings, like I love dressing femme for a very long time. And I just one day was like, I don't want to do it. And so I just stopped. And like, I'll still wear a wig and a dress, but but like, I don't really, like, I'm not really drawn to it as much as I was like doing a bodysuit. And I was like, I was doing all that stuff and I did enjoy it for a time. But then I just was like, it's a lot of work and I don't want to do it. And like, (laughs) and I remember one of my friends was like, no, but like, what? You're like a femme queen. And I'm like, I'm still femme. Like I'm always going to be femme. I'm always going to be called ma'am at Domino's when I order. Like that's always going to be a thing. It's fine. And I, you know what? I stopped correcting people because I'm like, there's worse things in this world in America that we could be called than ma'am. So I'm fine with it. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to move on. Um, and I don't think it's a lot uh, to really say there. Um, but yeah, I just, what's next for David Lopez? And not David Lopez hair, but David Lopez. What's next for <laughs> um, Well, I'm excited because I've been able to really dig deeper and lead into more of that experience that I was saying before. If it's not there for you, create it. I'm a big believer in um, if you feel like the opportunity isn't there, then you create that opportunity yourself. You have all the tools to do it. Uh, there are in 2020 with the advent of Google and Wikipedia and online resources and online classes, there is nothing that can, should ever stop you from creating or achieving your goals. Um, mm-hmm. some people have to work harder than others and that's a very real reality. Um, but when you surround yourself with a support system, there's nothing you can't do. So I am really leaning into creating my own opportunities and, and the content I, I you've seen my content. I feel like it's completely different. Now I taught myself on a cup pro. I'm like really doing a lot of class, like online classes on editing. I'm really practicing a lot. I rented, like I said, I rented a, um, an actual studio space. That's going to be permanent where I can actually have my lighting set up and everything, not work out of home and take that more seriously mm-hmm. and, you know, get an intern this year and, and really take it up to the next level. I would love to within the next year. I mean, this is obviously like, I'm not under NDA, but, uh, hopefully have my own product line um two years and really thinking about how is it going to be sustainable how is it going to help people how can it be impactful for the planet you know all these things are really exciting and and fun things so in the meantime i'm going to keep creating some really fun content which i'm really excited about uh inclusive content and really kind of shoving people's faces into like you i can be whatever i want to be whatever day i want to be it um 
and some bigger things down the road that I hope come to fruition. I love that. And I, I mean, listen, there is probably a lot of people in the gay community that will say things like, and we've talked about this too, like even with us being so femme and, you know, you're presenting in wigs and makeup, it's like, you can get a boyfriend if you don't do that and, and, and you don't need to do that. And there's so much silencing. And I love that you're creating that space for people out there who are muscular and brown and femme, but want to like wear a wig. Like, why do you have to be one thing? Like I oh, always God. tell people, queer men, we queer people, we get to create our lives. We get to design our lives in some way. So why not customize? Like, I mean, the amount of messages I get from people, like, I, I, I love to do this. Like, I'll do the full look and then I'll post a selfie of like, you know, just without it. And I always do it on purpose because there's always one gay guy or queer person mm-hmm. who tells me, I like you better this way. Mm-hmm. And I always find it so funny. I'm just like, the irony for you to send me a message to say, I like you better this way is so, I'm like, do you even, li-? and I, I just, I always write LOL. So always our response, LOL. And then I'm like, oh yes. Well, how much more feminine can I be? Give me nails. Give me lashes. I'm gonna put my hair on. I'm gonna put on a dress. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, I don't care. People are so funny when they say that. Like, I like you better that way. And I'm like, you realize those are all me. So like, it's not like exactly. Like, I don't know what you're trying to say. It's like it's so interesting because it's again, it's like a microaggression, and it's like it's so unnecessary. And I just think that people really need to get their shit together. And I mean, this is, again, just to wrap up, this is my own personal thing today. I was very gaslit by a cisgendered white gay man. So I just want to take a moment and I want whoever's listening, raise your hands if you've been victimized by a white gay man. And I just, I just, that's it. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to get messy. This is not the shade room. Like I'm not going to be messy. I just need people to raise hands wherever they are. And just in solidarity, because I think a lot of us, you know, especially if we like much like you with the casting process and I've been in rooms pitching projects. I remember I was pitching a project earlier this, you know, this in January and I went to this like agency and they were like, Oh, are you the intern? And I was like, no, this is my idea. Yeah. So that kind of stuff like happens a lot. And, you know, but the white man that I was working with, honey, he never got questioned. So I think there is definitely something there. And I think that with these movements, I think that hopefully there'll be more space for, you know, Middle Eastern and um, brown people in this country. And I, one of my friends who's an amazing black activist said something amazing said, honey, we push the button for the elevator and the elevator is coming up for all y'all too. So you can get in. If you're Asian, (laughs) if you're Mexican, if you're Persian, if you're an ally, you can get in. But if you're a fucking cisgender white man, you can take the stairs. And I just Uh, was like so gooped by that. And I, I think that it is such an amazing movement. And I think that what you're doing, especially in the beauty and content creating space. And, and like you're investing in yourself by getting a space, like that's like, investing in just brown people in general it you are a brown person so you're investing in yourself and i think that's <laughs> fucking amazing i love it um i could talk to you all night and go into the like wee hours in the morning you're wonderful i wish you all the best and i just want people to know where to follow you in the meantime uh i'm on instagram which is david lopez with three z's and tiktok is also david lopez with three z's listen if you're not an instagram person you better follow me on TikTok. Just get a lurker account because the videos are <laughs> so good um, and they truly give me life. And if you want to engage with me, I'm at Amir Yas underscore on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Um, TikTok, I will personally reply to every nasty comment with a video. So if you get nasty, honey, I will come back at you. Um, I, uh, All of y'all who've been listening, 
that are kind and generous. Love you. And the rest of you just keep listening because all I need is a stream. Love you. This has been The Take On with the Broadway Podcast Network. And this was my lovely friend, David Lopez, who is a gem. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Take On. The Take On is produced by Dory Berenstein and Alan Seals, edited by Kyle Moore, and is a proud member of the Broadway Podcast Network. You can find out more about me and The Take On at bpn.fm backslash The Take On. And of course, on my Instagram at Amir Yas official. Yes, honey, we're official. Make sure to subscribe and rate The Take On wherever you stream your podcast and keep tuning in for more amazing guests. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.